Valvoline instant oil change is the quick, easy, trusted place for your next oil change. Valvoline's convenient, no appointment needed. You can even stay in your car while they do the work. You have to sit in some waiting room, you know? Mm -hmm. Their friendly certified technicians have over 270 hours of training and they get you in and out fast while performing a thorough free 18-point maintenance check with your oil change. We got someone here who just experienced this, our own Aaron Blair. Blair, well, how was it? It was awesome. I took my Jeep uh, jock jams in and got a sweet oil change. And uh, and I actually brought a book because I thought it would take a while. And uh, they had me in and out in like 15 minutes. It was awesome. Well, also, you should point out, you can't read. I can't. So, But I wanted people to <laughs> you, think I could. Yeah, but I mean, uh, come on. Yeah, maybe somebody hot is there. And they're like, literate. oh, what are you reading? I'm like, oh, and then, then you know, now I've, I'm, I got a date. Yeah, yeah I don't but, think that's, uh, that's not how people meet each other. Didn't, didn't have time for that. Yeah, so if you see Blay driving around in his beautifully oiled jock jams, <laughs> give him the old thumbs up. <laughs> or throw a tangerine at him. <laughs> Anyway, uh, Valvoline, they're doing it right. Visit valvoline.com slash Conan for an exclusive offer towards your next oil change. There's a code I live by. There is? Goes like this. Sometimes the ride can be more exciting than the destination. Oh, yeah, that's I wish that had been my yearbook quote. I wish it had been. (laughs) Instead, my quote was, please don't hit me. No. Hey, well, guess what? I'm bringing up all this for a reason. The 2024 Nissan Pathfinder can take you from muddy jungle paths to rolling sand dunes. But it's not about where you go. Don't you get it? In a Pathfinder, the real excitement comes from getting there. It's the journey, man. Chase bigger adventures with Pathfinder seven drive modes and available intelligent four-wheel drive. Seven drive modes. That's a lot of drive modes. Well, specifically seven, yeah. Yeah. And bring the fun with you with Pathfinder 6,000 pounds of towing capacity. And I love to tow. 6,000 pounds. What? I like to tow stuff. You don't tow anything. Yes, I do. I'm going to buy a boat tomorrow and tow it. (laughs) I'll never put it in the water, but I'll tow it and I'll use it. I'll tow it my Pathfinder. Hey, visit (laughs) NissanUSA.com to learn more. Intelligent four-wheel drive cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. Towing capacity varies by configuration. See Nissan Towing Guide and Owner's Manual for additional information. Always secure cargo. You got to secure cargo. My name is Charlie Day, and I feel euphoric about being Conan O'Brien's very best friend in the entire universe. Well, wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Fall is here, hear the yell, back to school, ring the bell, brand new shoes, walk in blues, climb the fence, books and pens, I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Hello, and welcome to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. I've got a fine podcast for you today. I never promise anything I can't deliver. Uh That's actually not true. I'm actually known for promising a lot and delivering very little. But I sit here with my companions, my chums, my pals, Sonam Mm -hmm. Obsession. Hello, Sonam. Hello, hello. And uh, Matt Gorley. Now, Matt, I'm told that you're a little loopy today because you're on some kind of powerful medication. What's going on? I mean, look at him. Uh, <laughs> you're, you've got a very different posture than normal. What's ha- Seriously, what's happening? What's up, Groove Bones? <laughs> yes, Groove Bones. The name I've always wished I had. Uh, well, I found out I have tennis elbow, and so they put me on some anti-inflammatories that are making me feel pretty good. Okay. Can you tell me exactly what the medication is? Indomethacin? Does that sound familiar? Well, that was outlawed years ago. <laughs> hey, That's, you're funny. Yeah. <laughs> 
what's tennis elbow? Well, and I, I'm sure everybody knows what it is. I, I, just, I didn't know. I mean, I've heard it, but it's just, I think it's an inflammation of the tendons in your elbow. Right. And do you play tennis? No. Why would you call it tennis elbow? Okay. What, have you been, what have you been doing? What do you want me to call it? Collecting old typewriters elbow? Yes. <laughs> we should. What did you, have you uh, been overusing that arm? I cleared everything out of our garage by myself, box after box. And Wife I, threw you out, huh? Yeah. Again. <laughs> That's what it, Yeah. So, uh, okay. Well, so you're on these powerful anti-inflammatories. What are these side effects? Do you feel- Drowsiness. Drowsiness. Yeah. Okay. So I do. You do what? Feel, feel that. Okay. <laughs> are you going to be able to drive home? No. Okay. Okay. Right. Well, give it a shot. Could one of you guys give me a ride? We could easily call you an Uber, but- Part of me thinks we need things to talk about on the podcast. <laughs> so why don't you drive home in this condition and just see what happens? Uh, um, the loopiest I've been, have I told you this? Like I, I, I may have mentioned this, but the first time that I uh, had a procedure and they gave me a twilight drug. Oh, yeah. 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 You mentioned that a few times. Yeah. Okay. But did I tell you how um, my wife had to come pick me up? She had to walk me home and I just was a child. I was a child. I was on this Twilight drug, and it, this is in New York. And so we had to walk like 15 blocks. And she was like holding my hand and leading oh, me back to the apartment. That's cute. Like I was a baby. And then I just looked at her at one point and I said, I want to go to McDonald's. <gasps> like a kid would. Yeah. And so she took me to McDonald's, and I was as happy as I've been in my adult life. I would love to go to McDonald's. Yeah. Because there's something about it was so primal. I yeah. just wanted comfort food. And I went back to my childhood, love my wife. She did a nice thing. She took me to McDonald's and she oh. said, sit here and don't move. Oh. I remember that. <laughs> don't move. She put and you I was in like, a booster okay. seat. And I swear to God, she put like, you know, like a Burger King crown on me or something. <laughs> did she get you a Happy Meal? I don't think she got me a Happy Meal. I think mm. she got me a Quarter Pounder. And, oh. But she got me a shake. You dip your chicken McNugs in your shake? Is that a euphemism? What? As, yeah. You're did, a freak. Did you put your balls in the shake? <laughs> Well, I did that. <laughs> Just be clear is all I'm asking you. Is that a thing people we, do? Oh, yeah. The nugs in the thing. shake? So yeah, we all dip. Oh, I thought you meant do we dip oh, our balls in the yeah. shake. Do I know you? that's a common thing. It's called okay. teabagging. Yeah. Teabagging grimace. Um, it's called. <laughs> the ultimate teabag himself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is grimace still used? Do they still have the characters that we grew up watching on McDonald's? I don't think McDonald's? so. Wait, what is... Like Hamburglar. They're all gone, Yeah. Right? Remember there were some that actually went away early on because there's Mayor McCheese and there's the police burger guy. Right. What, what, but they got rid of them. I love those yeah, characters. Yeah. And the Fry Guys. And I know Ronald's gone. But they got rid of everybody. Ronald's gone. Ronald's not gone. He's in well, jail. you don't see him. No, you don't see him in uh, commercials anymore. Yeah, why? When was the last time you saw Ronald McDonald That's in a commercial? That's a good question. I, I don't know. I saw him at Costco the other day. Okay. Well, oh. hey man, when you when you're not as inflamed, hey man. Hey man. <laughs> hey, thanks for being here, Chong. <laughs> truth. Nice serum. to have you. Truth serum. We should ask me uh, anything. I'll tell me. you the truth. I'm yeah. happy to tell you. You know, this is just an anti-inflammatory. It. You're not on LSD. <laughs> <laughs> This is I'm just such a lightweight. You're such a lightweight. <laughs> yeah. It's incredible. This is taking me back to when we did the summer s'mores and you had a little bit of a drink and started trying to kiss me on my left nipple. Oh. <laughs> like, you, you literally had the equivalent of a rum flavored cough drop. And now you've got your hand on my upper thigh. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. Joe, who works here at the show and uh, is working in this very room yeah. often. Joe today asked me seriously, she said, are you on 
Adderall? Because she, she's so cool. And she said yeah, to she me, is. she said, and she wasn't joking. She said, are you on Adderall? And I said, no. And she said, okay, so what is it? And I said, no, this is, because she was talking about how energetic and talkative I am. Yeah. And I said, this is just who I am. And she went, okay, okay. She asked if I was on Adderall. Wow. She said, oh, I want to try and be a little more like you. And I said, because Joe is so cool. Yeah. She is cool. She is so cool and laid back and kind of effortlessly like, when you're like that, everyone thinks you're the coolest person in the room. I said, Joe, you don't want to be like me. I want to be like you. Mm -hmm. And I can't. But she asked me if I was on Adderall. I was shocked when I found out your comedy comes from a, a sober place. <laughs> I, thought, I thought like your writer's room was just like, you guys are all lighting up joints and you're no, just like, you know. We were pretty straight. And I'm like, oh, yeah. that's coming from a real sober place. Well, not a healthy place, but a sober place. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But you make perfect, you make perfect. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Um, I think. Yeah. I think Matt just fell asleep. <laughs> he long, did not. You're did fine. <laughs> How long we've we been going? Well, we've been going a little while. What, what it's been are we long. At? But anyway, I think we uh, realized um, an important thing. Yeah. Which is uh, we all love different kinds of fast food. I'll go with Wendy's. And that you are a lightweight and that you're minutes from your heart stopping. <laughs> you need to get... <laughs> you, I mean, you are really looping out right she now. Just, did you just snort out stuff? Yeah. From your face? You made me snot. Okay. <laughs> I made you snot? No. How, how long I didn't know. You manufactured the mucus, and maybe I said something that made you expel it from your nose, but I didn't make you snot. You, you how addict. Long, how long does tennis elbow last? <laughs> I hope a long time. <laughs> oh God, this is a different match. I don't know about I'm enjoying this guy. it. Well, I want I want me some of this stuff. Oh, I'm gonna okay. go to my doctor tonight yeah. and say I've got tennis elbow. <laughs> you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna go out and buy a brand new tennis racket. It's gonna still have the price tag on it. And I'll go and I go, I've got tennis elbow. I need the anti-inflammatory. Oh doc, hello. And he'll say, Why are you holding that racket? It hasn't even been taken out of the packaging yet. <laughs> I was on the court. I already uh, had a good game. Uh, we got to talk. Yeah. We got to talk to a guest, yeah. you know, oh. and not got to get to because I love this guy. My guest to. today, talented actor and writer. You better wait. Have a cup of coffee or something there, Gorley. You're going to snap snap out of this. Okay, okay, okay buddy. <laughs> My guest today <laughs> is very talented actor and writer, best known for playing Charlie Kelly on the long running FX series. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. Sona, you have built shrines to this show. I absolutely love this yeah, show so much. As many much. people do. He now has a new movie, which is which he wrote, directed, and stars in called Fool's Paradise in theaters May 12th. I'm excited he's here with us. Charlie Day, welcome. I'm delighted you're here. I'm thrilled uh, to be Charlie, here. Charlie, uh, you've someone just reminded me that you did the late night show a bunch of times or some incarnation of one of the shows, but I think nine times. Yeah. Which I say is too many. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that shows you, a neediness on your but part. But you kept having me in. <laughs> and uh, which I appreciated. Yeah. Uh to get to I know we were we're ready for the jokes. We want to get into it. Full seriousness uh my absolute favorite talk show ever to be on. I think you were the first one. If it wasn't the first one I did, it was the first one that I felt like I did correctly. Oh, oh wow. Um, because uh, in 
my mind, you were you were my Johnny Carson. You oh, that's were sweet. Top Thank of you. the mountaintop. And now that you've quit, I resent you. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm I'm forced to do every all the other people, <laughs> all the lesser than. Oh, well, that's very sweet of you to yeah. say. Um, I think we have a bunch of things in common, which is it's so funny because my introduction to "It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia" was uh, Sona, my erstwhile assistant, coming in and screaming at me. Did you see It's Always Sunny last night? <laughs> and I say, no, I, I didn't see it last night. You know, I didn't see. And um, her just her whole, you know, what I used to do at the late night show was make sure the way Stalin did that there were images of me everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Just, yes. you know, magazine covers and everything was Conan. And then you'd get to Sona's part of the office and it was all It's Always Sunny. Yeah. And, uh, just pretty much that whole area. It was a lot of, pic- they're just fun pictures, like promo pictures and stuff. But yeah, you're making me sound Kind of crazy, but it's no. But true. you also you have great comedic taste, I in do. my opinion. I and, think I uh, do. You were mm-hmm. right about, and and I always I always felt you you guys collectively guys gal that that you have this uh, I don't know similar philosophy about making people laugh that made me very happy, which was just this things could get very anarchic and crazy, but the show never really took itself very seriously and still hasn't. And and there was just a pure, raw, we're going to have fun mm-hmm. and um, and make fools of ourselves if need be. I think we're in the business, uh, the very serious business of how ridiculous can we be? Yeah. Which isn't as easy as just saying, okay, let's go goof off. Like we'll put an extraordinary amount of work and thought and conversation into the most ridiculous thing. Yes, yes. <laughs> but the passion and care is there. Also, uh, we may have learned a lot of this from you. You may be partly <laughs> responsible. Well, know? that's the point I'm getting to. <laughs> I think there's a cut of the of the royalties that uh, I would have. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, Talk I, to Robin Glenn, because I think they- <laughs> I'm sure I'll get yeah. very far. It's a funny dichotomy that I talk to people about, which is um, two things, very silly, and I love abstract- uh, foolishness taken to its extreme. And I'm also deadly, deadly serious about it. And <laughs> you understand that the two things coexist because I think there are a lot of people who think, uh, oh, the Always Sunny guys, if you, you know, if you hung out in their writer's room or if you hung out with them, it's just clowning all the time. And I know for a fact that no, there are probably very, very heated arguments. <laughs> yeah about how the really stupid thing should happen. We we got in one this year, 16 years into doing the show and a, a good sort of heated debate about this is the way to do it and this is the way to do it. We do it every single, it's exhausting. <laughs> it's exhausting, but it's all that sort of arguing and planning so that you can have that, you know, 15 minutes of just raw funny, which is like, are oh, we all agree that this is the best scenario for something to be funny in and now just let it rip. Because right. we feel sort of safe, like we've built up the work around it, and here's a playground with which to destroy sandcastles. But. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we have, um, going back, we have a bunch of things in common. You grew up in Rhode Island. I did. And I kind of grew up in Rhode Island because- Explain. <laughs> yeah. You have uh, one foot in Rhode Island. <laughs> I used to drive there every night and spend an hour. <laughs> on a dock with a seagull. <laughs> a dock, yeah. And, and, a, and a fisherman. <laughs> from childhood, every day, it was an important, my dad insisted. You're no, my, my uh, yeah, I'm from, uh, from, from Massachusetts, from Brookline, right outside Boston. And then we didn't have a summer house growing up and we would go and stay at my grandfather's house, which was in Miss Quamacut, Rhode Island, right next to the state 
Beach. Sure. So we were, uh, you know, he was a retired policeman. We would hang out at his house and then walk down to the state beach. I would hang around Rhode Island and sometimes we would hang around there for a month to two months in the summer. Okay. And so uh, I got a really good dose of the Rhode Island vibe. And uh, I have to say, I mean, it's funny because it's a very strong accent. Yeah. People complain about the Boston accent, the Rhode Island accent. You start to tip into New York in Rhode Island where it yeah. kind of mashes the two. Yeah, and my favorite is I once stopped in Cranston, Rhode I'm sure. Island. Cranston, yeah. Cranston, and I got out of my uh, car to fill up my tank of gas and I had my hat on just to try and like, uh, I just wanna, this is you know years and years into the late night show. I'm just gonna fill up with gas and this woman like in an acid wash jacket got out of her Jeep and she walked up to me and she was giving me the look like, you can't hide from me and she went, I spotted ya. I spotted ya. You're trying to hide. <laughs> you think you're a big shot now, huh? Yeah. yeah. And I, I thought, man, that's Cranston, Rhode Island. Yeah, Cranston especially is pretty thick. I would get a lot of, I'd go home and I'd get a lot of that. One of my friend's uh, fathers, he's a uh, he's a carpenter in Rhode mm -hmm. Island. Uh, Portuguese, Rhode mm -hmm. Island, mm -hmm. tough as nails. And uh, I'd start coming home and he'd say, oh, what's up, Kevin? And I started thinking, oh no, he's starting to, is Peach starting to, his nickname was Peach. Yeah. Is Peach starting to lose it a little bit? And then I realized he was calling me Kevin because he started calling me, ah, oh, here comes Kostner. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so. Uh, Just because you had had success? Yes. You yeah. are now Kevin Costner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And an actor to him is only Kevin Costner. Actors and acting stops. That's at, hilarious. Ah, yeah. <laughs> uh, here comes Costner. Oh, here comes Costner. Like, I go, should I wash my car for him or whatever? But yeah, so Kevin Costner is where actors begin and That's end. That's hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if something's good, he has a language of his own. This guy's language is also, if something's good, it's clean. So he was like, uh, you know, right now he'd probably, if I saw him, he'd be like, I heard that uh, Super Mario brother is pretty big. That's clean, brother. Clean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, clean is good. Clean yeah. is positive. And, uh, you know, if it, it came out and tanked, you'd be like, yeah, I saw your movie. Suspect. <laughs> clean and suspect. Clean and suspect are the two, that's the only two words you really need. Yeah. Those are both like criminal terms. Though. I know, I love that. He's clean, it's he's like got a, no well, yeah. yeah, that's true. Uh, he's, he's a suspect, suspect. Yeah. yeah. Well, that sums up Rhode Island for you. Yeah. That is hilarious. Yeah. I was in Westerly, you know, do you know the town of Westerly at all? And I was in Westerly, Rhode Island. And this was about, I don't know, like eight years ago. And I was with my mom and my brother, Neil. And we were in this restaurant. It was a Portuguese kind of Italian restaurant. And we're in there and we're having our meal. And the waitress recognized me and I could see her looking at me. And then she, she went out back and I guess made a phone call. And then she came out in this very thick accent that I can't really do, but she was like, I talked to the manager and he's, here's the deal. If you would come back, and, and uh, do two days of like uh, signing autographs, and we could we could uh, we could publicize it. You know, Conan, Conan O'Brien's going to be here, and he's going to do two days, and he's going to sign autographs, and you greet everyone at their table. If you could do that for two days, dinner's on us. <laughs> So how'd it go? For real? That was yes! real. Dinner's on us. <laughs> and I was just thinking like, I so want to call my representation in Los Angeles <laughs> yeah. and get them involved. And you know, they'll be saying things like, well, wait a minute. No, uh, 
you're going to send a plane, right? No, yeah. no fucking plane. <laughs> no, but no. then is included. How yeah. much Parmesan? Yeah, yeah. How yeah. much Parmesan? Yeah, and you know that, and, and 12... I know that these people would win. Yeah. These people would oh, defeat yeah, yeah, my yeah. representation. A $12 bowl of clam chowder <laughs> <laughs> is on us. We just want two entire days of your time. Yeah. Two days. Yeah. It was two days, which I thought was really weird. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, really? Yeah, two yeah, days? Yeah, yeah. You got a two, two days for one meal. It's yeah. a real. Also, I know that some people would come the first day and then no one would come the second day. Uh, in yeah. Westerly, like, you know, you'd pretty much meet everyone that would want to say hi to me in one and, day. And do you get a yeah, free meal a each day or is it just one for the they two They said days? dinner's on us. They said singular. Singular dinner, dinner wow. yeah. So I don't think I get a dinner the first night, but I do get it the second night. <laughs> wow. Or maybe I get it the second night and not the, wow. I mean, the first night, but not the second night. Who knows? That's a real win-win for them, you know? Uh, all the publicity. And I screwed up. That's cost, suspect. You should have done it. So you grew up there. Suspect. I know, yeah. you know, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm fascinated by a couple of things. People that come from the same part of the world that I do and also, and are obsessed with comedy and also people that have a music connection. I've always been uh, sort of a frustrated music wannabe. And I think that there's a very strong connection between music and comedy Oh, and yeah. uh, and I know that that was part of your childhood because aren't your parents uh, professionals? Both. Well, yeah, retired music teachers. Mm -hmm. uh, but my mom was just, you know, the kindergarten through eighth grade music teacher at a small private school. And my dad uh, taught the local college, like music history one and two. But they're uh, eggheads for sure. They both have their PhDs in musicology, uh. as does my sister uh, in choral conducting. And so I was like, you know, they didn't have any money. So I was, <laughs> I was like, this is no music's not for me. Right. And then I started being like, well, maybe you could be a rock star and that's mm -hmm. a different deal. But then like, I felt like, you know, I could noodle on a lot of instruments and then you'd meet the one kid who could just shred a guitar and you're like, well, yeah, I don't, I don't got it. I don't got it. Yes, it uh, it becomes it becomes clear pretty quickly. I, my theory, and I've mentioned it here a bunch in the podcast, is that when you're a kid, you have a checklist, and whether you're doing it consciously or unconsciously, you're kind of checking out like athlete. In my case, it was athlete. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, lady killer. No. <laughs> Just like a lot of no's. And then make, what's this thing Wait, at the bottom? Is that a profession? I know. What is, what? That's what you wanted to get into? No, just professionally? like a, No, no, like not professionally. Like a Jack, oh, okay. like a Jack the Ripper kind of thing. Yeah. 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 So like, what's your persona? Sort of a Ted Bundy kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, sure, oh, you sure. can still do that. Too, yeah. too messy. Too it's no, you roam from state to state. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, and there's a, uh, no, um, that more, more that, what are your assets? I guess is that what I would yeah, say? Sure. Like, oh. That I guess that's what I'm talking about. What are your assets? And then you, I finally, <laughs> just like remembered, no, 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 no. I seem to be able to make people chuckle. Also, it, it, you hit a certain point where you're like, this is the only way I can figure out how to feed myself. <laughs> you <Right>. know, like <laughs> math is off the table, sports, yeah, um, modeling, forget it. But if I can just squeeze a couple chuckles out of somebody and get by. Right. Yeah. So no, where else can you go surfing and skiing the same day, huh? I don't know. Or check out a world-class art museum and then camp at a dark sky sanctuary that night, huh? Yeah. Yeah, where else can you hike through Redwoods and then get a luxury spa treatment? Where? Well, you live there. California. <laughs> California, Sona. No matter where California. you go across the state, you'll find a way to play. I'm a California resident, so are you. Sona, you are a lifelong California resident. I'm a lifer. I love this place. This is a beautiful state. Gorgeous. So many different, wonderful, 
ecosystems in one state. You can hang out by a Palm Springs pool. You know, you can go whale watching. You can go hiking in Yosemite. And then uh, talk about the great cities in California. You get all this amazing food, sushi, whatever you want. They got it in California. Hey, if you can't find it in California, man, you got a problem. Yeah. I shouldn't have done that. I made that up on my own. Anyway, I love California. Discover why California is the ultimate playground. Head to visitcalifornia.com to start planning your trip today. Today's episode is brought to you by Captain Crunch. This has meaning for me, okay? Because I grew up as a child obsessed. My brothers and I were obsessed with sugar cereals. We loved Cap'n Crunch. And then when they came out with Cap'n Crunch and Crunch Berries, oh. I just, it was like Oppenheimer. <laughs> I saw a white light and I knew that life had changed forever. And true story, I was just back in Boston visiting my brother, Neil. And not kidding, he is two years older than me. We are grown ass adults. What do we do? We sit down at our kitchen table in Brookline, Mass., and we both crack open a box of Cap'n Crunch with Crunch oh Berries. And we had it together, multiple bowls. And I was so happy. Oh, it's nice that you have that. It really is. Break away from the ordinary with Cap'n Crunch and bring back the spirit of adventure to your mornings. Everyday life can be stressful, but I've got to tell you, it's just such a sense memory for me. Not just original Cap'n Crunch, which is great. Then, oops, all berries yeah, they came up with. I remember that. Usually I don't eat foods that have oops in the title. <laughs> But when they came up with Oops All Berries, I was there. Peanut butter. Oh, my God. Peanut butter crunch is fantastic. It turns the milk into this cool peanut butter milk. I love it. Join the crew for your next breakfast time crunch venture. That's a word now. Buy Cap'n Crunch's new cinnamon crunch. Now at a retailer near you and learn more at captaincrunch.com. Neil, we made it! <laughs> McDonald's presents Burger Reviews by Hamburglar. Today's review, the hotter, juicier, classic burgers. Mr. Hamburglar. Bravo, bravo. He said, of all the McDonald's burgers I've ever hamburgled, these are the hottest, juiciest, and tastiest. Bravo. Hurry in and enjoy one of our 350 bundles, like a daily double and small fries for a limited time. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any of the offer comparison of prior classic burgers. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You tried for a while going on legitimate acting auditions, but it wasn't really till you started making your own stuff. I it, knew that it just, it was going to hit a wall. So like both Rob and Glenn and myself, we were working uh, the way extraordinarily handsome young men in their, in their 20s can get some work. Sure. I was um, there. I did that. Yeah. You know, like, like the guy at the dock being like, yeah, I saw him. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, pretty decent guy, hard work, and I think I did notice blood on the finger. You know, like that, like, like that. So how part. many Law and Orders is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, that's that is my favorite observation. Is uh, and it's the same thing for Dragnet and Law and Order. Whenever they're questioning someone, it's like, no, no. Anything else you want to say before we go? Well, there was one <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wore a World War One German helmet. <laughs> <laughs> dun, 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 yeah. you know? <laughs> 
And he'd lead with that. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever you make of that. And then, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's. So, so that, you did a couple of like I one line things. I did a law and order and like a couple things here and there. I was always coming close. I was testing for a lot of TV shows to always be, to be the best friend, never to be the guy. Yeah, yeah. Actually, one time I got flown out for a show that was called Weird Henry. And they're like, well, maybe he could be Weird Henry. We, he sure seems weird. And then, uh, you know, I think the studio saw the test and we're like, we're going to cancel this show. This is uh, the, the, the whole thing got scrapped after my audition. And then I booked a part on the Luis Guzman sitcom. Mm -hmm. And there were two writers on that staff that I'm like, these guys are really, really funny. It was uh, Chris Miller and Phil Lord. Oh, yeah, wow. of course. Yeah. So they went on to be pretty successful. And uh, that got canceled after three episodes aired. And it was around then that Robin Glenn and I were thinking, you know, why wait? Why sit around and wait for another one of these? And then you don't even necessarily like what you're being given the opportunity to do. Why not just shoot something ourselves? And we were looking at the British office Yep. and uh, how sort of cheap it looked. It, yeah. it just seemed very handheld and very easy to shoot. And the lighting just seemed like they threw the lights on in an office and filmed it. <laughs> uh, Curb had just come out around then and it felt the same. The uh, Panasonic DVX-100A camera, not that we were big camera guys, but somebody, Glenn or someone had stumbled upon this camera and it kind of looked like those shows, but it was an, affor an affordable camera. So that combination of of a attainable look with an affordable camera. And we thought, well, we could shoot something. There was no TikTok to just sort of throw it away on. Right. Uh, YouTube, I think, had was just kind of coming onto the scene. We thought, well, let's let's shoot a pilot. And we made a a terrible pilot, you know, the <laughs> but there was a thing in it. There was something in the in the spirit of it that we thought, okay, let's redo it because it cost us nothing. Uh, and we had a lot of spare time. And then we said, well, let's shoot it again. We shot a second episode and we sort of handed that to our agents and we started going around town. Or, or they said, let's hook you up with a big producer. And we waited forever for someone to watch it. Nobody watched it. And while we were waiting, we shot a third episode. And that third episode started to get pretty good. We started to find our voice and our timing yeah. and get a little bit better at how to use the camera. And it was the third episode that Rob had the his lack of patience was amazing and very useful. He was like, I'm going to fire everyone unless we start t getting meetings. And they're like, okay, okay, we'll set up some meetings. And uh, he took it around and pitched it. And um, we had an offer from VH1, mm -hmm. I think, to <laughs> re rewrite it. And, or maybe it was MTV. And we had an offer from FX to shoot a pilot with a with a real budget. By a real budget, I mean like one-tenth of what a television show is made for. But <laughs> that was a hundred times more than what we were working for. We shot that pilot. They picked it up. They said, we'll give you seven episodes. And then we did seven. And then they were like, okay, we're going to... We're going to cancel the show, but uh, unless you can get a big name attached. And Danny DeVito had seen the show and liked it. And then here we are. Still that's, going. I, I, that's fascinating to me that, I mean, you hear stories about, you need a big name. Yeah. I always thought like it almost sounds apocryphal, like it's this thing from the 1940s or 50s, yeah. but it's true. Yeah. Especially then, maybe less so now, because there's so many different things that you could maybe launch something and, and people, just the buzz of it being a popular show on, say, Netflix, people might check it out. But then- I think to to break through it all, yeah. If we hadn't gotten Danny, that would have that would have been it. Now, how many seasons has it been now? This is going to blow my mind when we, you say it. We just shot the sixteenth. That's season. unbelievable to yeah. me. And I think you've broken the record or tied the record for longest running, yeah, multi cam sitcom. Is something like that. We passed Ozzy and Harriet last year, 
for the longest. And they did about a thousand episodes. Oh you know, oh we, my God. we've done so many less, you know, we now we're only doing eight a year. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, I think back then they were like, all right, get to work and you're going to do 50 of these, you know, and, uh, <laughs> but now, you know, so I, yes, we're the longest running. We haven't done the most episodes and right. then cartoons like the Simpsons has been around forever. I'm going to tell me about it. I left the Simpsons in 1993 and I remember oh thinking, God. well, this old horse has just about had it. <laughs> so I'll just go do a late night show now. Were you at all <laughs> yeah. thinking like, They'll never survive without me. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm I'm deluded, but not that deluded. No, I knew that they sur survived very well. Uh, that they would survive very well without me, and and probably be enhanced. Uh, but I, but yeah, I left and remembered thinking like, well, this thing has now been chugging along for like six, seven seasons, and it's a animated show, and it's very labor intensive. How could it possibly continue? Yeah. Cut to thirty years later. That's insane. Do you 30 think it's years. time for them to stop? Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. No, I don't know. I only said that because I still am I'm good friends with many of the people that still make it. So yeah. they know I don't feel that way. But I just, it's really funny for me to go, yes, they should stop immediately. <laughs> have they had enough episodes for the characters to have aged a year? If, if theoretically. <laughs> well, it's the yeah. beauty of Yeah, of course they have, right? 365 Wait, I, episodes? Well, yeah. Easily. They easily have. But I mean, that's the conceit, right? They never get older that's they never get older and mr burns scene. never remembers who homer simpson is and that's my other favorite simpson hey yeah that's uh, and, and no and, one and knows how old like, he well, is well sir he saved your life he once <laughs> was in charge of the moon uh he you know <laughs> whatever they you transplanted your lungs into his once uh he, you once adopted him all these ah, it doesn't ring a bell <laughs> which is a great great conceit um, i would imagine we have every, every joke we've done on our show they've done on uh, five times, on, like every version. Well, of the here's joke. the thing: is that you know, it's it's funny because uh, I used to think I used to think about this on late night because we were very determined to like we want to make sure that we're doing sketches that nobody's ever done before and stuff that's really completely out there that no one's thought of, and we tried really hard to do that. And as time goes on, I think you're not competing against other shows; you're competing against everyone in the world who has an iPhone. Oh yeah. It's it's very 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 difficult to outwit all of humanity. Yeah, no, you can't. You I mean, we are. You and I are, which is nice. Um, <laughs> no, you and I can do it. Yeah, we can do it. But, your but we're, you know, we're like two gods on a cloud yeah, yeah. <laughs> drinking out of golden chalices, looking down at mortals and we're trying That's to right. imagine what it's like for them. Yeah, yeah. We have a bigger platform, of course, but yeah. uh no, but I mean, it's gotten to the point where we can't even ourselves where we're like, "Oh my god, we've done that." Every time we break a story, we'll we'll write it and we'll be, "Oh, we did this." We, we did completely this and we have to scrap it. And You know what's really uh, fun is I love watching people 100% commit. And this is something you do really well and the other cast members. But you commit, when you commit, it's something I believe in religiously, which is you have to go in 110%. When you lose your shit as Charlie Kelly, you go full, full out. And, and I think that that's a quality of the show. There's no restraint. When it's time to no. go, it is complete meltdowns, complete insane meltdowns. Yeah, I don't want to feel as though I've left anything on the table. When you I'm... have not. <laughs> <laughs> it all comes up. And honestly, this is going to sound like actor BS, but I go into a like mm. trance, like I dilute myself and I'm gone. And I'll come out of a scene and be like, I have no idea 
what I did. I hope it was good. Yeah. And then I'll get in the editing room and be like, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't. But that one was. That one was was yeah. good. Sometimes I can't do that, and I'm hyper aware of the camera guys here. Or the 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 boom guy's got a cold. He's like, <sighs> you know, <laughs> you're aware. Of it. But sometimes you just black out, and then and just I don't know, just kind of barf out a performance and. And it seems like vomit on the screen, and uh, and uh, the audience loves it because they, they say that's real. Um, There's a really weird thing. I you could probably relate to this, but there are a lot of things I can't do if it needs to be serious or sincere. Oh yeah. But if it's in the in the name of comedy, I feel that I might be able. <laughs> there are times where I've felt I might be able to break the world record for a mile if I thought it would make an audience full of people laugh. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Of you, course. There are things you can do, and obviously that is not the case, but there are times where the, we did a, a a tour and it was 2010, and you were probably there for this, Sona, but yeah. we were in some venue and it was going really well, and I was in the crowd, and then I got up on the ledge. Yes. And there's like a 30-foot drop into the audience. Oh, I remember. And I'm like on the ledge and like doing shtick to make the crowd laugh. Mm-hmm. Andy rightly was furious and he was just like what the f- what the fuck was that you're like the tom cruise of comedy <laughs> you're gonna die that way okay you know? but yeah but i but it's it, what i'm saying is i i acknowledge i'm you know i, I don't want it to be a uh, a humble brag or a flex because i'm often afterwards realizing oh this is the sign of something that needs work <laughs> like, I, like I'm seriously like this is this is i'm a smart person and i have a wife and kids and I love my family and relatives, <laughs> and I know better than to do that. Why did I do that? It's because I knew that the crowd is this happy, hand high up, but if I can, I could notch it up a little higher mm. if I stood up on the ledge. Wouldn't that be cool? If you're Tom Cruise and you entertain people by doing death-defying stunts, then potentially it's the same kind of thing where you just, that's how you communicate with people and you are doing it over and over again. I think yeah. for you and I, it's easier with comedy because that was probably a safe place for you as a kid growing up. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, if you... uh, I couldn't do anything Tom Cruise does, <laughs> include run convincingly. <laughs> you know, like that's the other thing too oh, is- I'd like to see it though. No, I'd you know like what I, I, you know what I would love to do? I would love to do, uh, this just reminds me of something I've really been itching to do, and I'm just gonna say it right now, but um, we've been shooting something uh, for HBO Max where I travel around and hook, uh, meet up with fans, kind of a travel show idea. And we were gonna be, we shot one in Norway already, and we knew that there was a possibility that Tom Cruise would be in like the same area that we were in. And I've I've worked with him before, and he was really great, He's very funny. Uh, played it perfectly. He was a joy to work with. But the idea is I want to shoot a segment where he teaches me how to run the way he runs <laughs> uh-huh. in a movie because apparently there's a whole technique to it. Because yeah, if it's you, very back straight, arms are pointy. And, yes, yeah. and if you, don't, if you don't do it exactly yeah. right, you look like a fool. And what I've always thought is I'd really like really good cameras, like him to run, and then I would like to run the way I run and not trying to be funny, Mm. just run the way Mm -hmm. a six foot four, not very athletic Mm. man my age runs (laughs) and run, but with the real cameras and stuff and then put the music to it. And I think it would be one of the funniest things 
I said, I, I think you know, just I'd say about it. go get that bear and just set the bear <laughs> loose, and and you will run very convincingly. I will run very convincingly. Yeah, yeah. You know it's funny, I mean? the bear. Everyone was like, the you know, was what if the bear had uh, had you know bitten me or something when I I forget it was my hand or my head or whatever, but I shoved something in the bear's mouth, and I think the bear just recoiled at my neediness. Oh, <laughs> no. And I saw the bear backstage talking to other bears, like it just comes from a bad place. <laughs> the needy ones do not taste good. <laughs> you can tell he's a middle child. <laughs> Full of cortisol, and it's just uh, makes the muscles all sinewy. <laughs> you know, when someone's really needy and yeah. makes the meat taste better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no, it makes no, the meat worse, bad. Worse. It makes yeah. the meat bad. Good, fat, good. fat and happy is how you want them. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know why the bears are smoking in my. <laughs> but the needy of ones, they are. Just, uh, of course they are. It's like a sour grape. <laughs> was it? What was it like for you to go from? You're making this very handheld, like it's a mon posh shop and you're making your comedy and then you get you get into something like Pacific Rim oh, which yeah. is one of those movies where I can't even imagine cuz I can relate to you uh in the world of it's always sunny in Philadelphia and then when I think about and and even playing a comedic role in a, a, you know a, a movie but when I think about you in something like when that first Pacific Rim came out oh, and you realize movie. oh my yeah. god it's such a good movie and you realize that you're part of an apparatus that mm. is so massive and you are, it's the complete other end of the spectrum yeah. from the kind of work that you were doing. And I, you did it really well. You oh, were thank you. Well, I think um, I was lucky that I got to have that transition working with Guillermo del Toro. Mm -hmm. So uh, as massive as that movie was, he has a way of working that makes it feel you know, super personal and right. specific. I had some green screen work, but most of the things that I was doing, he had built some kind of practical prop that was like animatronic that I was, you know, reacting to. So it wasn't quite like getting stuck into like the Star Wars remakes where, you know, it was just all green screen. And right, like, right. You're always acting to a green sock or a green tennis ball. Yeah. <laughs> And Guillermo had a very, very specific way of working. I was a huge fan, so I just wanted to do a good job for him, and I still admire him so much and uh, look up to him a lot. But, uh, you know, in the beginning of the film, he was saying, he's like, I want you to do what I, I never do this. I want you to be loose and uh, out of control and wild and messy. Uh, and by the end of the filming, he was like, uh, on take one, your hand was here. On take two, it was here. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but that's just... I mean, I really enjoyed getting to work within his parameters. You sure, know? yeah. Uh, every now and then, he, I'd be doing a take and he wouldn't be liking what I was doing. He'd be telling me what to do and I'd be thinking, oh boy, I'm not giving him what he wants. And then I would throw it away and just do whatever I wanted and be like, yes, like that, you know, which is always sort of the case that you have to make it your own. But um, it was eye-opening just uh the way he used the camera and i'm a big movie nerd mm -hmm. so i was just geeking out on on his techniques he he was saying he was like i like to scratch the lens for the cgi shot i'm like scratch the lens he's like i want you to see i don't I, maybe it's wrong to do an impersonation of him every time I, That's okay. but he was saying i i want you to see something imperfect before you see the perfection of yes. cgi the yeah. way his mind was working uh i was just eating it all up. And then I would go back to Sonny uh, and we'd be shooting. I remember we did a uh, episode 
where we're in a police station and it's a flashback and we're talking about this wedding massacre that happened where people were high on bath salts. And I was saying, okay, when we shoot it, you know, we'll we'll do the coverage uh, that Richie Keene, great director, had sort of um, blocked out. But I said, hey, Richie, after we get that, can we do a few Guillermo takes and just (laughs) circle the camera around the actors and just started using more, as I would call them, Guillermo takes throughout the show. And um, it, just getting more and more inspired to do more filming and make more things. And- the only uh, the thing that would be dangerous there is I know that <clears throat> in a comedy environment, you can take shit for that. Like you oh, just yeah. came back from your Guillermo del Toro <laughs> blockbuster and you're back with your friends. and You're like, you know what we did on Pacific Rim, <laughs> you know, and then suddenly you're right back in Rhode Island. Yeah, yeah right, Kevin. Right. Yeah. 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 Movie I think, style. Yeah. I, I think it, it, hey, I Kaiju. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, fortunately, I think Robin Glenn, our relationship is not like that. So, good, good. Uh, you know, pretty much best idea wins in a pretty open environment for let's try all sorts of things. So. Yeah. I, everyone was was game for it. Yeah, because I, I got to see your movie Fool's Paradise, and I know it's coming out in... May 12th. May 12th, okay. Only in theaters. Only in theaters, as it should be. Mm-hmm. It's time. It's time for America to join again. Finally. In the cathedral that is a theater. Um, <laughs> better than a real cathedral. Because we're going to have that God yeah. talk. Or, or we could, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah well, or, <laughs> we could do some God talk before the movie, if, if you'd like. If you like, of course. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. all up to what you want to do. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Have some popcorn. Have some popcorn. <laughs> Get your feet off the seat. Turn off your fucking phone. Um, but I saw your movie, Fool's Paradise, and I it I really loved it. I really love your film, oh, and I love you in it. And I, you wrote this movie, and you directed it. It's very sweet. You guys haven't seen it yet because I just got this advanced uh, copy that I watched. But it is very much uh, evocative to me of Chaplin, Buster Keaton. It's It's got a real sweetness to it. Your character is, you're doing that same thing Chaplin did uh, out of necessity and then Harpo Marx did, which is you're not saying a word and you're very expressive and you really are playing this person who is picked up by the Hollywood machine yeah. And um, you're at the very center of it and you're very passive. It's it's a little bit like being there. And being there, I think, was my initial, okay, could I make a movie like being there? No one's going to do that anymore. I guess I'll just do it myself. And um, and then when I realized oh, it's not totally working, I said, okay, can I combine it with Broadway Danny Rose where I have this sort of sad sack guy? Uh, and that only in then was I able to sort of land the plane. Your character is so content in his own, I, I will say one thing, he's so content in his own space that at one point he's at a Hollywood party and he doesn't say anything. He's very much a, you know, Chaplin-esque kind of character and he fall, he get, he falls into the pool accidentally and can't swim and he sinks to the bottom and his hat just settles on his head <laughs> and he's just sitting at the bottom of the pool <laughs> making no effort to, and I thought, this is such a great example of how little this character wants or needs. <laughs> And how passive he is. And yeah. you're just sitting there when uh, another character comes in and 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 saves you. But had that character not come in, you, you would have stayed there until The movie you would have ended there. <laughs> <laughs> Which could have been an interesting film, just too short. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah. Did an extremely passive character. And then, you know, there's some justification, which is that he's, you know, we meet him in a mental institution. Mm-hmm. And the, the idea is that he suffered some sort of trauma and we don't know what. And, right. He has almost like the mind of a child. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there's another doctor there who says, well, you know, if we give him enough sort of exposure therapy um, and maybe if he has a meaningful connection with another person, 
he can sort of break free from this uh, sort of regressive psychosis that he's mm -hmm. in. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's going to be a lot of work and it's going to be a lot of effort and a lot of time. And the other doctor says, okay, well, what's our first course of action? And the guy says, well, the state's not going to pay for any of that. So we're going to put his ass in the first bus downtown. <laughs> and then, uh, which they do. Which they do. And then the movie begins. And it's funny too, because you're, you're, you're parodying Hollywood and, and the Hollywood you're making fun of, they're making pictures and they're yeah. making them almost the way they did in the thirties, but it takes place in current times. Yeah. Sort of a heightened thing. There yes. Where it's I, really fun. Where I thought, okay, I could just set it now, but in some ways now is not enough to satirize Hollywood. Can I make it almost feel as though it's satirizing Hollywood through the ages? Yeah. Um, There's also a great part where your character is invited on a talk show and, uh, and it's, You've made a generic talk show, mm -hmm. and of course, uh, I'm watching it as me, and I'm watching these two uh, idiots laughing like hyenas that bring you out and just find everything <laughs> funny. And there's part of me that thought, yeah, that's kind of... <laughs> <laughs> it's done with love. It's done with love. No, no, but it's it, it's also, it's just, it's... It's uh, it's parodying every type of show like that. So yeah. it's not specific, but it was really, um, that part was really making me howl. Because it's so over the top. It's a good performance by uh, Jimmy Simpson. For, and, uh, really Barber. Yeah. Yeah. I think initially I wanted to see if I could go on a few talk shows and and shoot it like that. And then ultimately I felt as though stylistically it would take you out and then it would take you out of the movie to have like a real world uh, person going back and forth between these fictional characters. Right. So. Also, I mean, a lot of movies do that where the character, you know, I taped a number in my day and then you see it all the time. And I always thought it was something I never loved doing, which was when the character in the sh in the movie mm -hmm. has a briefly stops off at a talk show and mm -hmm. I'm there saying, so you mean to say that you think there could be life on another planet? And, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and then it shows up in the movie theater and it just always felt a little lame. Whereas creating yeah. a fake talk show, I thought was much funnier. Oh, thank you. It's trickier to make a talk show than you would think because there's no idea. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean to make a fake one. I'd make a fake one, yeah. Because yeah. the sets are big and the audience is big, and I didn't have the time or the budget to do that. So it's actually only a curtain and uh, and then the stage itself. Right. There is no audience there. The spoiler alert. <laughs> Cut that. Cut that. It's Don't called a laugh track. Yeah. 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 Um, and a laugh track. Yeah, that's right. Well, I I, uh, I I'm a huge fan, and I I love your approach, which is uh, you're trying to make people laugh. It's interesting when you take it back to its core, you know, have some people say like, well, what are you? Are you a satirist? Or are you a humorist? And I think if you really take it down to the core, I think I might be a clown. <laughs> and that might just be the simplest way to put it. Yeah. And then you can dress it up. And if someone at the New York Times likes you, they call you something else. It sounds a little fancier, but right. at the core, I'm still, it's the same impulse that I was using on a playground in Brookline, Mass in 1974. Do you ever feel challenged by it as if, um, I, I often think, okay, am I going, am I making too many jokes? Are there too many jokes within this movie? Do I have to be more serious? Do I, I mean, there are heartfelt moments yeah, in the yeah. movie, but I also undercut it frequently. Yeah, no, but, I think it's really well paced. I, that was my feeling is that it's really well paced. And yeah, I think, um, yes, there are times where I look at stuff I've done and we're in edit and I'm just like, shut up. <laughs> I mean, I'm saying it to myself. I'm like, shut up. Right. There's too much. 
Too many jokes. Too many jokes and you're, you know, let's just, and and really sometimes the best things happen during quiet moments, which took me uh, a while to realize. Uh, unfortunately, I realized it, I think fairly early on, but in, that that sometimes saying very little and letting someone else talk and just reacting to them naturally is much funnier than anything I'm gonna come up with. I and did so, a whole movie of that. Yeah, yeah, exa <laughs> well, exactly, yeah. yeah. I find like when I'm writing something, you know, I, I wrote a, another movie in the time that I was sort of in the edit room on this and was passing it to some friends and they were saying, you know, like, um, you should make it less funny. <laughs> and, uh, you know, because they liked the story and they said, you could get more serious. And I know that's the right direction and I'll sit with right. it and I'll do it. But my first instinct always is just, don't people want to sit in a theater and just laugh and mm -hmm. laugh and laugh and laugh? But sometimes to get them to laugh, you have to pull a few jokes out so that the laughs land. Right. No, it's true. I, I think that's true. What I don't want to do is make people think. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you don't. I really don't. I don't either because I don't know, you know how to I've heard yeah. that before. People are like, you know, not only did he make you laugh, he made you think. He and I go, think. yeah, lose that second part. <laughs> yeah. Lose that part. I want I want people to be dumber after they've seen my work. <laughs> I want yeah, them to yeah. know less. I think I do too. I yeah. think I do too. Um, well, this is an absolute joy, Charlie. As I said, uh, coming, you know, just I'm looking forward to talking to you and it's been a little while, and I love that you're doing this work. I mean, uh, Fool's Paradise is coming out. May 12th. May 12th. And uh, also, uh, you're in the biggest movie in the world. True. Right now. True. Uh, it just made, what did it make? It made $8 billion. It made half $8 billion of those little coins that Mario hits. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just bashed into 8 billion bricks. Yeah. Their hands are just bloody. And, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the Super Mario Brothers movie. Uh, that is, uh, congratulations. Thanks. That's uh, crazy. It's been a crazy ride. Just um... As long as you have a piece of the merchandising, you should be fine. Uh, bad news, pal. <laughs> <laughs> I got some bad news for you. Yeah, yeah. They paid me with uh, with video game coins. Yeah, yeah. So. But they make such a fun sound when they yeah, rain down. That's how they got me. Yeah. That's how they got me. Uh, well, Charlie, continued success as if, uh, as if you needed it, but uh, you will have it. And uh, you deserve it. So thank you for being here. Well, thank you. I'm really, it means the world to me that you like the movie because I do feel like you're my target audience, which is to say like, oh, okay. I'm like uh, oh, I, I want like a Conan O'Brien to like this because if, if, the, if the top of the comedy guys like it, then I'm in, then it's up to uh, the standard that I hope it would be up that to. That is really nice so of you I, to say. Back at you. So thank you. All right. Good night. <laughs> All right, I just, see you, Costner. I never say goodnight. Goodnight, Costner. Goodnight, Costner. I spotted you, Costner. <laughs> I see you, puppy I guess. see you. Let's get back into the voicemails. Time to listen to what the fans are thinking. Yeah. Hit me. Hi, Conan, Sona, and Matt. This is Brian Perman from New York. I'm sitting here minding my own business doing some work and listening to your podcast, actually, when I get a text from my wife who tells me that she just walked by Conan O'Brien on the streets of New York City on the Upper West Side. She smiled at you, and you said, hey, first of all, amazing coincidence. But second of all, do I need to be worried? Please let me know. Oh. Worried? I remember this encounter very well. And yes, Brian, you do need to be worried. <gasps> you devil. Because I had an immediate connection. Really? With this woman. Yeah. Mm, nice. And uh, things are moving quickly. That's what, all I'll what say. What about your wife? What about my wife? Hey. <laughs> you know, is, what about, hey, I'm not dead. <laughs> uh, is that what you say when you're like spitting game? You're like, hey. I'll go like, hey. Yeah. 
Really? Um, yeah, a lot of times I tap women on the shoulder and they turn around <laughs> and I go, hey, that doesn't go over well. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes I'm wearing a Halloween mask. None of it goes. <laughs> of oh. your face? No, it's Nixon. It's always Nixon. Um, and I go, hey, yeah, I'm Nixon. Uh, no, I don't. I do. I'm, I think I'm a genial. Well, you've been with me a lot. I'm very yeah. genial to people on the street. And if someone recognizes me and smiles or something, I'll go, hi. You know, hey. You're uh, very, you're really but nice. I, I hope. Uh, I hope that this woman in question didn't feel in any way that I was uh, stepping over the line. I don't think I was. He I would think, have mentioned that. I Maybe think, she was reciprocating and is kind of thinking of you and dreaming of you, you know? Well, I don't think so. Why? Just going off of past experience. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. No, I would say uh, I like chatting with people and I like talking to people. And so I'm the complete opposite of someone who might be recognizable who would feel like there's time and space was being invaded. I'm the exact yeah. opposite of that person. You are. And you walk everywhere when you're in New York. So mm -hmm. you're, and you're, I don't know. You're very recognizable. Mm -hmm. And it's in New York. It's like you you really I feel like a walk that would take anybody else five minutes takes you like an hour. Why? Because you're saying hi to everyone. I do and say you're hi to a lot of people. And you're taking pictures. Anybody who asks anybody who asks to take a picture with you, you will take a picture. So if you see Conan, ask him to take a picture. <laughs> oh, I had someone ask me recently. <laughs> they said uh, they had just met me and we were chatting for a second. They said, uh, how come you're so like kind of, you know, you seem kind of humble and down to earth. And I said, a lot of self-hate. <laughs> and oh. the person, uh, that's what I said. I said, oh, I think a lot of self-hate. And the person went, I get that. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> no, 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 I'm, I'm kind of kidding. Kind of kidding. What? No, no, I, but anyway, um, that's nice. I, I, uh, I was walking in New York City with Mr. Adam, uh, Adam Sachs, remember? And we were walking together and you saw a post on like Dumois seconds afterwards. You want to lean in and tell this? We were walking together. We were in uh, New York City doing some, had some meeting or something. And then we're walking up uh, right past Rockefeller Center. Yeah. And then uh, someone, someone texted me a, like an Instagram post from Dumois that was like a picture of me and you together. And it was like Conan and his intern walking through New York City. <laughs> Turn Adam. Yeah, yeah, I love yeah. It. Conan with his 13 year old nephew. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Will you Showing go, him New go York get City. us some Cokes? <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever you want. Go get us some uh, 90s. Yeah. That is a funny thing now is is um people can kind of just keep tabs on you because there are all these websites that say, Yeah, you know, I just saw whatever Conan or whoever eating a Cobb salad. It doesn't even have to be interesting. It's just eating a Cobb salad. I know. And uh you think, okay, this is gonna make it very difficult for me to murder oh. because there's going to be a trail. Do you already have a victim in mind? Yes, I do. Is it in this room, this victim? Can't say. Oh. Cannot say. Okay. But anyway, sleep tight. <laughs> sleep very well. Um, I think it's just going to be hard oh, in general and, uh, for you to fix that murder. second floor window in the kitchen. Oh my God. First, yeah. we got to get a second story. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, I had the wrong house. <laughs> I've been menacing the wrong people. <laughs> Uh, but yes, I, um, well, O'Brien, um, I, uh, you do not need to worry and I think I am no threat. Okay. So, uh, but, uh, my best to you and your, does anyone say, did he mention her name? No. No. Well, I'll just have to say lady. Yeah. Mm. Your lady. Mm. Uh. You just lost her. <laughs> she's gone. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I hope we cleared that up. We did.
Good job, everybody. Good job. And uh, Brian, my best to you and your lady. (laughs) You got her back. Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. With Conan O'Brien, Sonam Obsessian, and Matt Gourley. Produced by me, Matt Gourley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs, Nick Liao, and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Cody Fisher at Earwolf. Theme song by The White Stripes. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino. Take it away, Jimmy. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, and our associate talent producer is Jennifer Samples. Engineering by Eduardo Perez. Additional production support by Mars Melnick. Talent booking by Paula Davis, Gina Batista, and Britt Kahn. You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, and you might find your review read on a future episode. Got a question for Conan? Call the Team Coco hotline at 323-451-2821 and leave a message. It, too, could be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. This has been... A Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. <laughs>